Hello, and welcome to another episode of Military Transition Stories, the podcast where veterans share their experience and advice about transitioning from military to civilian life. I'm your host, Trey Tatro. I'm a realtor and military relocation professional here in Northern Virginia. To hear more episodes, visit militarytransitionstories.com or subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Hello and welcome to another episode of Military Transition Stories. Today we have Herb Thompson on. Uh, and Herb, I want to make sure I get this correct. You are currently a uh, sergeant in the Special Forces, correct? Yeah, correct. I'm Master Sergeant in the Special Forces for another month. All right. Well, welcome. You're, you're the first person we've had on here who is uh, you know, still currently in the process of actually going through their transition. Nice. Always good to be first. Yeah. <laughs> So why don't you uh, start us off, tell us a little bit more about, you know, your military experience, uh, your background, and kind of what got you into uh, the Special Forces. Yeah, so I joined the Army straight out of high school, grew up in upstate New York in a family, for lack of better words, that was very poor. Uh, college really wasn't an option, so I joined the Army um, straight out of high school, um, colorblind. So they said I could be a chaplain's assistant or these personnel jobs, and I chose the personnel jobs. Um, did that for a few years, did what I had to do there, but I didn't like it. And I was still always knew I wanted to be a soldier since I was a little kid, and I knew I wanted to be special forces. I uh, took a little detour to be a drill sergeant. Uh, great, rewarding job, and then was uh, recognized as the 2008 uh, U.S. Army Drill Sergeant of the Year. So I went to work for headquarters TRADOC. Got to see how the big army worked, and from there, I went into special forces, uh, tried out for it, and was selected. And uh, it's just the greatest job ever, getting to go work with indigenous forces overseas. And I, I mean, I think my career has been like a dream. I've just got to live it, and it's so rewarding. And um, I'm ready for the next chapter in life, but it's uh, it's definitely been a full 20 years for me. Well, that, that's awesome. You know, it's always good when you actually get a good experience out of everything that you're doing. And uh, I did see on your uh, LinkedIn profile before our conversation that you were awarded uh, the drill sergeant of the year. And the first thing I thought with that is that's probably not the best way to go about making friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, a lot of people is like, oh, you were the, um, the biggest a-hole or you're the biggest <laughs> yeller. But uh, I mean, really, it was all about training people. And I mean, that's, you know, stereotypes. Veterans have them all. Everybody has a stereotype, and uh, that's one of them for drill sergeants. Like, oh, you just yell at people. Like, oh, yeah, there is some yelling, but there's a whole lot of training going on. Yeah, and, and you know, that's something that I'm sure will carry over well for you uh, in the business world because it doesn't really matter what industry you're in. Training and coaching is just such an important uh, part of being a management role. Yeah, definitely, especially that as a drill sergeant it's probably one of the few jobs where you really get to see the fruit of your labor and you start with a product and at the end of 10 weeks or however long you have the soldiers for you really see them transform from a civilian into a soldier and obviously that takes a lot of hard work along the way from both the soldier and the drill sergeant but it's just it's so impressive to see and i can't really think of somewhere else that somebody makes that kind of impact on someone uh, to where everybody remembers their drill sergeant. They always remember them. And I mean, maybe there's a few teachers that they remember, but everybody remembers their drill sergeant. So it's one of the impactful jobs. That's one of the most rewarding ones there is in the army. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. And, uh, you know, 
like like you said, you're about a month out now from transitioning. Uh, how long have you been working on your actual uh, transition out? Yeah, I probably seriously started thinking about it almost two years ago. So 23 months ago, January of 2017, I knew it was coming to an end. I knew I did not want to keep going um, past 20 years because I'm still young enough to leave and have a career after this. Uh, so I was like, I need to start planning this and um, treating it like a missions. And then kind of did that for a few months here and there. And then May of last year or so, about 20 months ago, I was like, okay, now it's now it's time to get hot and heavy and planning what I'm going to do next and uh, prepare myself. Right. So what are the, uh, some of the steps that you've taken, you know, during this last 17, 18 months uh, to get ready for this? Uh, I would say the first thing that I realized, and I'm glad I learned it early, was nothing's going to be given to me because I was a drill sergeant or because I'm a special forces NCO or because I'm a veteran, I'm going to have to go earn everything I'm going to get on the outside of the military in the civilian uh, sector. Uh, So that really was a mental shift of, I need to work for this. This is my next mission, my transition mission. Instead of going down range, deploying to work with a partner force to where I had to study the culture, the language, how they work so we can improve them and work alongside by, with, and through them. I had to do that for the civilian world. And truthfully, I did not know um, anything about civilian world. I mean, I've been in the military for 20 years, straight out of high school. I've never held a job. I I worked at Burger King and on some farms when I was uh, a teenager, but never a real, a real job. Uh, So I just started networking. The first thing I did was networking and a little funny stories. I didn't know what banking was uh, as an example. And I, I knew tellers and banks. Right. And I knew there were some people in some back offices that probably shifted some stuff around. And I knew there was Wall Street, but I didn't get what it was. So I just started reaching out to people saying, hey, this is who I am. Herb Thompson, retiring, soon to be retiring, Special Forces Team Sergeant. Uh, would you be willing to give me 10, 15 minutes of your time? And almost 99% of people said yes. And that's when I learned what banking was. And I learned I did not want to go into banking, as an example. <laughs> uh, that wasn't for me uh, to go on to Wall Street, work at a Goldman Sachs, something like that. Uh, but I would not have known that had I not networked and I not you know, talked to people doing it. And really, once I started doing that, one connection led to another connection, which led to another connection. And now, over the last 20-some months, I'm in, I haven't kept count. I probably should have because it would be kind of interesting to see I easily over 2000 people I've talked with uh, about the transition. Uh, Not all veterans, some just wanted to support veterans, some just willing to talk. So I've been able to learn about different industries, learn, Hey, where I wanted to go because there's a huge information gap. And I, I believe we don't know what we don't know. And I was like, I need to figure that out because I don't know the job I want. I know I wanted to, have certain characteristics, but that could be in probably any company um, or certain types of industries. So I had to network. And that's as I networked more, I started learning more and learning more about industries and careers and decide, okay, that's not for me. No, this is a possibility. I could possibly do this. And along that way, I learned, hey, you know, part of that is, like I said at the beginning, of nothing's going to be given to us as a veteran. Um, I probably need to augment what I currently have because I have a bachelor's degree I earned while I was, you know, in the military, uh, doing online classes, a few in-person classes at the beginning of my career, but finished it up. 
doing everything online and that's good to have a bachelor's and it's great. I think it's very important because that is something that directly translates to the civilian world and they understand what a bachelor's degree is. They don't necessarily understand what a NCO is or what a special forces team sergeant does, but they understand, Hey, a business degree, you know, bachelor's uh, of science. So I said, well, I probably need to do a little more based off of my goals of where I wanted to go. So I started looking at the MBA programs and what would be the best thing to get me to my goals. And I I realized an MBA is the thing that's going to do that for me. So then I started researching MBA and again, started networking, trying to figure out what is an MBA, what's an entail, how's the whole process go for applying. And uh, again, just more networking, more networking uh, that was filling that information gaps. And I kind of would start with, Hey, these are the facts I know. And these are some assumptions. And then I tried to turn the assumptions into facts to yep, that's confirmed and then create more assumptions. So essentially what I, you know, we used in our planning process in the military and MDMP, I was using that. And, um, it's really been interesting to see probably my transformation mentally over the last 12 months, especially of where I'm going um, and understanding it a little better. I'm still not quite there. And I don't, you know, I think the day we know everything is probably the day we aren't living anymore. Uh, but every day is learning something new that's going to help, help me out or help somebody else out. And that'd be the other thing with the networking is every person I've tried to network with, I've tried to provide them something. And uh, when you're talking to the vice president or a owner of a company, it's kind of hard to do that. If they're a, CEO of a biotech firm and a founder of it. Hey, what am I going to provide to them? But at least, you know, try to do that, but also one with the purpose of, Hey, here's what I'm trying to get out of this networking of, I want to learn this knowledge. And a lot of times stuff popped up that I didn't even know I was trying to learn and I was learning it about the transition process. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you touched on something that we hear quite a bit, which is that you don't know what you don't know. And, just doing what you're doing, going out there, talking with people, uh, like you said, with the banking example, you know, you didn't really know what it entailed. So you started talking with a lot of people and then that's how you're able to realize that that isn't something that you would necessarily be interested in. But had you not gone about doing all that networking, you could have said, I think I want to get in banking, just, you know, gone down the, the path that you read online, of you know, what educational steps I need to take. And you could have found yourself, ending up in a career that turns out you would have found out just by talking to people you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I think that like how you said it there, uh, recap what I said of, of that unknown. And, and one of the things I started coming across all the people I was talking with was essentially the job they were in right now. They didn't even know that job existed six months ago. So it's like, how do you plan for a job that you don't even know it's going to exist? Just like six months from now, I can't swear to you right now where I'm going to be, but you got to prep for it. So it's kind of, I think it kind of uses our military skill sets of prepping for the unknown when we, especially when we deploy or even the unknown and when you went off to boot camp or whatever schools and um, leaving from home and going overseas, you, you just had to find as much information as possible and then trust your instincts and trust your training trust the people, your support network, and, and, you know, hope it all worked out. Yeah. And because you're still going through the transition process and, you you know, you've done a, so much networking over the past year, year and a half, what would be some advice you, you could give to people who are uh, either currently going through or will be going through their own transition? 
on ways that they can still incorporate that networking uh, to kind of help them, you know, get ahead of the curve like you've been doing? Yeah, I'd, I'd say two things, um, two main things. One is in the military, a lot of times it's we or us, our unit did this. We're not I, I did this. Um, so in networking, um, you got to go out and sell yourself. And when you talk to somebody, you can't be like, hey, uh, you know, we're in the army. No, it's just me at this point. It's Herb Thompson, in my case, trying to talk to someone. Uh, so overcoming that kind of little mental hurdle, especially for me of uh, wearing the green beret, being special forces, we're quiet professionals. We don't go out and, you know, tell everybody we're special forces, but I, when I'm networking, I can't just go, Hey, by the way, I'm Herb Thompson. And they're like, Oh, what'd you do for the last 20 years? Oh, I was in the army. That's it. You know, I had, <laughs> uh, so I had to come over that mental hurdle of, Hey, I'm actually, you know, special forces teams aren't retiring. How are you doing? Or I'm a green beret. If you've heard of that. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Okay. Um, and it, it really, that point was hit home for me by my wife. Uh, we were staying in a hotel. I had to go up to the room for something and I came down to the restaurant she was talking with this older gentleman. Uh, and he goes, Oh, you're a green beret. And as soon as I sat down and I, and I was truthfully pissed off. Um, this was last summer of 2017 I was mad I'm like why did my wife tell him that like and the guy just so happened to be the COO of a large energy firm in the Midwest and the conversation just took off from there because it gave me at least a little bit of credibility I wasn't just some stranger sitting down he knew I was a veteran he knew I was a green beret and it just took the conversation elsewhere so that's when I learned okay I have to start telling people it's I I have to right. talk about myself it's okay to say I'm a green beret in my case when I talk to these people and, um, and doing that. So that was a big hurdle to overcome. And then two is second thing I would say about the network. You've never done enough because you never know when that key connection is going to pay off for you. I, I have multiple examples where I networked and talked with so many people. Um, I should have kept a better rolling list. I, you know, I had my LinkedIn connection, so that was a little easier to keep track of. But I even forget who I was connected there. So I had some questions about some companies and I reached out to some people I had networked with and they're like, well, hey, do you know this person? And I just happened to go back and look at my LinkedIn. I'm like, man, I'm a connection with them. Just haven't talked with them in six months. Right. So remembering who you're connected with and having some type of system to maybe keep that connection going instead of, hey, I talked to you and 10 months later, I need you. Well, it's kind of hard to do that when I have not spoke to you in 10 months, but now I'm. I need you, or maybe I just want some advice on something, but we haven't talked in 10 months. So it's kind of almost like a little bit of a, a job to keep that network alive and to have it actually a network that does something um, to keep it active. Cause you never know when somebody's going to pop up and go, Hey, Hey, there's this j potential job opportunity or her. Let me introduce you to this person who graduated from this school that you're interested in. And it, it's kind of cr crazy how much that has popped up. Um, and just keeping that network alive uh, for a purpose, you know, it, the network is for a purpose and you're trying to get to an end state. Uh, so you got to actually, you know, cultivate it. It's not just going to work on its own. It, it takes work. Right. And you're right. You know, the larger you grow that network and uh, the more, you know, the more people you're adding into it, the faster you're adding people into it, it can be difficult to kind of, you know, keep up to date with everyone and to stay in touch. Uh, do you have any 
tips on how to, you know, continue building that relationship uh, beyond just hitting connect on LinkedIn? Yeah, 100%. So one thing I would say is always just don't hit connect on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is a great thing. I've been able to meet so many people that don't live in my area or not where I'm at. Uh, but don't just hit connect. Hey, send a little message, make it personalized. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm, what I'm trying to connect with you for. Uh, they're probably gonna be a lot more responsive to always follow up. Cause I've always tried to add a lot of, most of my connections. I end up following up with a phone call. So, Hey, let's have a phone call. We talk. Uh, I try to within the next day or two after that, little, write a little reminder of, Hey, let me thank them for their time. And whatever we talked about, whether it's I was going to do something for them, they were going to do something for me, or we were interested in something in the future, uh, recap that in an email and below, hey, thank you, no, a couple of days later, 24 hours later. And then, again, uh, something I, I see I can improve on and I have done is come back later on, three, four, five months down the road and just check in and say, hey, how are you doing? Um, just wanted to tell you where I'm at. Um, see how you're doing um, to keep that network alive. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things you touched on, I, I think that's a great idea, which is basically just kind of doing a quick recap with someone uh, when you do connect with them, especially if you've met at like a networking event. Uh, you know, it's great to be able to send a message either later that day or the next day saying, Hey, you know, it was great talking with you at ABC event about, you know, whatever it was. And especially if you, you know, if it's something that you have a, a common interest in and maybe you see uh, a link in your newsfeed, uh, you know, about, you know, something similar to what you're talking about, you can even share that with him and say, this made me think of what we were talking about. Yeah, 100% agree with you that that is, I, I think what it does is adds a personal touch to something that's not necessarily personal. If you're using LinkedIn or it, it gives that reminder of, oh, yeah, we had that great conversation at that networking event. Or, hey, we met at a restaurant. Or, hey, I was getting my tire changed, and I just happened to sit down next to a local business owner. But it, it, it makes it personalized, and it mm -hmm. lets them remember you, and it actually helps you remember them, and uh, develops that relationship into something that can be quasi-meaningful. Exactly. And then when you recap with or you know, touch base with them again, five, six months down the road, like you said, that message is there. And it's like, oh, yeah, we talked about this. And it's basically your own little, uh, you know, CRM, customer relationship management tool, where you just remember right there what it was you talked about six months ago. No, exactly. And, and I think it helps you. It helps that person, too, because I, I think, too, I look at it from two ways. It helps that person because they're probably talking to a lot of people. They got a busy life. Right. So it helps them remember who you are. But at the same time, if you're doing the networking thing right, you're talking to all kinds of people. I'm talking to usually on any given day, two to four people. Some of that's to do with my nonprofit, but to keep people straight of who I'm talking to, I like to think I'm fairly smart, but that's a lot to keep up in, up in the this. old brain bouncing around of, <laughs> hey, who's this guy today? Oh, no, is that John? No, John, okay, I know 1,700 Johns now. How many, <laughs> you know? Uh, no, wrong John, sorry. Um, right. I, I think it, help, it definitely helps both parties <laughs> and you know you, you accidentally did but perfectly segued into what was going to be my next question uh because i did want to i did want to get into uh your nonprofit sf2biz yeah so in that whole transition period probably about last eh, you know may when i started getting serious uh i 
I saw that there wasn't any, there was lots of stuff to help veterans. There's tons of programs, and that's one thing that I haven't said yet. Man, there are so many people willing to help veterans. Um, you know, in different varying levels of success or how much they're uh, helping, but there is, I think, now 45, 46,000 veteran service organizations around the country. And then there's just people who want to help, help veterans anyways. So if you don't ask for help, you're crazy because people want to help. <laughs> right. You know? and, uh, and before we go too far into it, yeah. just, just so I don't forget to bring this back up, but, you know, like you said, there are a ton of resources out there. And because you are going through it, what have you found to be one of your favorite resources or one of the most helpful resources? Uh, so I'll say SF to biz is a shameless plug. No, That's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, there is a, a few different ones I've talked with in um, uh, the commit foundation. Um, tremendous. Um, I, I believe they work with special operations mostly truthfully. I, I'm not smart, but they sponsor me to go to a program up at Dartmouth uh, at the Tuck School of Business, a two-week next-step transition to business where they pair athletes and they pair um, veterans up who are transitioning either out of the athletics or out of the military. And uh, it's a great, great event. Uh, so they helped out quite a bit. I mean, I've seen so many. Uh, I find it hard to pick out individual ones because, mm-hmm. you know, I can think of the, you know, the Pat Tillman Foundation providing scholarships. And I think even bigger than that, there's a lot of local ones that people may not know well of, but, but through networking, they find out about it and they probably provide the most bang for the buck and they don't have the big name, but they're near every military base uh, and large to medium sized town in the country of people wanting to help out. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, could you, could you tell us a little bit more about the program that you did uh, at Tuck? Because I did see that, you know, that was uh, for, like special forces and for, uh, you know, veterans and athletes. And it just seemed like a very, you know, niche um, uh, focus that it had. So I'm interested to hear more about it. Yeah, I, I, I could not say enough good things about this program. Um, they take veterans and athletes. You come up to Dartmouth campus up in Hanover, uh, New Hampshire, just a beautiful quintessential little Ivy League town, New England town. And uh, they bring you together for two weeks. And truly, before I went there, I didn't really get how they were pairing us veterans with athletes. Uh, But within, like, the first day, it made sense. (laughs) Uh, Essentially, not to put down NBA, but it's like a mini NBA. So you cover a lot of stuff. You do interview prep. You do resume prep. They have people there at the business school, the top professors teaching you one day of accounting. Why do you need to know accounting? Hey, at some point, you may need to know how to balance a little bit of a budget and right. understand profit and loss, uh, strategy, entrepreneurship, uh, deep, deep thinking stuff, even leadership. And then you're sitting in this class and in my group of 66, I believe was the number, I think it was roughly 44 veterans or people transitioning out uh, mm-hmm. that were still active duty and like 22 athletes. Uh, so it was just interesting because I'm sitting next to a guy who is a you know world champion bike racer, awesome guy, and I'm learning from him and like wow the dedication that they put in to their sport is a lot like the grit, determination, hard work we put in. And I'm talking to a rower over here who was on the Olympic team, placed like fourth in the Olympics, and wow they had to work as a team again hard work, uh, teamwork, 
goal setting, striving for success, all stuff that was similar to us. But then to get the diversity of thought of, wow, you have a couple SEALs in here. There was, I think six of us were Green Berets. There was fighter pilots, helicopter pilots, admin people, a submariner, um, you name it, across the spectrum of what the military provides. And then same thing with the uh, athletes across different sports. And it was just such a unique event. And you're, it's transformative because you're immersed together in this little small town. And it's busy days. You go from like 8 to 8 at night most days. And if not, you're hanging out with your classmates and you're learning about their jobs that they're transitioning to in some cases or their process of, wow, I just, you know, gave up swim for the U.S. Olympic team. I'm trying to find a job also. So it was, it was very, just a truly transformative experience to go up there. And um, yeah, anybody considering, I know they've already slit, um, selected the people for upcoming, I think in uh, March, but there'll be another one in September. I believe they're doing two this year and it's just, a great thing to apply to and go up there and um, speaking of people support veterans, the program costs 1500 bucks and that includes your room and board, most meals. Again, I had mine uh, sponsored by the commit foundation, the CEO of JetBlue, just cause he was such a big believer in the program paid for the plane tickets for everybody to go up there. Awesome. Uh, so literally I paid 20 bucks to go up there and then, you know, a couple <laughs> of my meals while I was up there just for an amazing experience. So like a, somebody else, it's not a veteran service organization, but that just ponied up to help veterans and athletes. And it's just a great experience. And I, I think it really helped start getting me in the right mindset for the transition. Uh, some people were j- just about to get out. Some had just got out and been out for a little while. Uh, but it, yeah, it's just a great experience up there with a great, great group of people from the professors to the staff, to the students that you interact with, the MBA students to the, you know, of course the people you're in there every day with talking and then hanging out afterwards, having a, having a beer down there talking about career transition down at the local pub at Murphy's, um, mm-hmm. you know, talking about that, just friendships. We still, a bunch of us talk to this day regularly. So it's a great program. Yeah. And, you know, after you explain it, it does make sense, uh, you know, why you would pair either veterans or still active duty with the athletes, because, again, it's that we, not I uh, mentality and the dedication that goes into it. So, yeah, at at first I was like, I don't quite get it, like you said, but then once you understand, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah. And I thought it was great for diversity of thought because you got people that weren't military. And actually, there's some people from some other countries in there, too. Canada, Britain, Russia, um, Mexico from, you know, their sports, the athletic team. So it's just a real interesting experience uh, that I cannot speak highly enough about. Yeah. Well, I I definitely do want us to be able to talk some about, uh, you know, your nonprofit and not only the fact that you have it, but also the fact that, again, you're still currently, uh, you know, in the service, you're in the middle of transitioning out, and you've also started this at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so I guess to back up way back where we were probably 10 minutes ago. Um, so there's, like I said, tons of programs, but there was nothing specifically to help Green Berets transition. And, and not just because I am one, but because I've served with them, they have some tremendous skill sets that are unique, especially with our work and buy with and through a partner force for everything we do. Um, that takes a lot of emotional intelligence, a lot of cross-cultural awareness, 
a lot of adaptability because one day we're talking to a, an ambassador or somebody high level in the state department. And the next day we're talking to the local village elder. And then we're dealing with our partner force. Oh no, by the way, we're doing this all in a different language the most right. of the time. So like number skill sets that translate. So I was like, wow, bu- businesses. And I started again doing research because I treated it like a mission. Um, Oh, businesses are saying they want these skills, you know, cross-functionality, adaptability, leadership, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, problem-solving, cognitive abilities, cognitive thought, you know. Um, and I was like, wow, that's, you know, grit. People that just get the job done will go to bat. Innovators. I'm like, that's a green beret. Um, and there was nothing. So truly, I was kind of annoyed and pissed off. I went to a job fair with another Green Bray, just to check it out, just to experience it. And um, I just wasn't happy with what went down there. And I wrote an article about it and not to put down like working in a warehouse. But essentially, as soon as I walked up, because I said I was a special forces NCO. Oh, yeah, you're be good in the warehouse, man. We can put you in the warehouse. You know, you, you can run a shift out there. And I was like, wow, you know, like a month ago, I was running this billions of dollar program across stakeholders from multiple countries it was going up to the national security council president's desk and my team oh by the way that was in a foreign language you know in a country across multiple countries right and i was like wow they don't understand the value that i could bring so i I didn't know whether to laugh or be upset and then you know an officer walked up and they're like oh yeah yeah we'll put you in a leadership development program rotational man you're good for that and i was just like Wow, that's you know good for him that they they said that, but I saw there was a little disconnect. So I had already started the process at SF to Biz, but that lit the fire right there of okay, we need to educate ourselves as the transition to people of how to better translate our stuff, but we also need to educate and close that military civilian divide of how to do that. So I set out like any good NCO and especially a special force NCO, hey, there's a problem, I'm coming with a solution. I'm not just gonna whine about it. So I created SF to Biz, which then again entailed a lot more networking and finding people as successful that wanted to support it and uh, be a part of the team. And so I selected five Green Berets who all of them, but one are out. The other is just like me. He's going through the retirement process now. Two of them are recent Wharton graduates. Um, one starting from McKinsey, another working out for a tech startup in the defense industry space in California. Uh, my old team leader, who's just one of the smartest dudes I've ever met, got him on board. And then another Green Beret captain I'd worked with who graduated from West Point and is now doing his uh, MBA at the University of Washington. Uh, that, along with the other E8 that's retiring, that I met through LinkedIn, again, through networking, through LinkedIn. I met him, didn't know him from our special forces work because we we're from different groups, different parts of the country. Um, and that kind of formed the core team that I'm, you know, leading and steering the ship in the right direction to, to help guys as they transition to empower them uh, to do the right thing and hopefully not have to learn some hard lessons uh, that sometimes people have to learn because they don't know. Uh, So, so far we've connected, um, I believe we're up to 28 uh, green braids transitioning out. I've been connected with mentors and opportunities um, we don't offer jobs or job placement, but we put them in connection with people in the industries and locations that they're interested in going to that can help coach them through the resume process, can help um, kind of a lot of the stuff we're talking about, talk them through that of 
hey, yeah, okay, lose the pitcher with you in your uniform and you in a green beret with a gun because nobody cares. Um, put a suit on, look the new part for the new – get them to visualize you as the new part. Let's translate your resume into some of the stuff I just talked about with working with multiple stakeholders across cultures, across language, um, doing X, Y, and Z the, in the business terms so that it translates and when somebody who may not necessarily understand the military um, – which that is a lot of people then, okay, this, at least the verbiage makes sense. Okay. We, we can go with this. Um, so we've, we've done that. We have a little over 200 mentors, I believe at this time lined up to help guys uh, here soon. Any day now we should have our five one C three status back from the IRS. So we can um, go ahead and start raising funds and providing guys scholarships through certifications. Uh, we've started partnerships with a, a bunch of companies and every day we're trying to grow that more um, to get green berets opportunities and overall veterans, but you know, specifically we're focused on the green berets, but I think anytime you help any veteran, it brings all veterans up. Um, you know, the rising tide lifts the boat, I think is the cliche. Uh, <laughs> no, you're yeah. right. and so we're, we're doing that. I got to say, I don't know when it is that you rest because that alone sounds like you've done more than a full-time job with it. And that's not including everything else that you have going on. Yeah. And I will say I, I have been lucky. So yeah, I do. I mean, this is what I'm doing. I've been lucky. So I was special force team star for almost three and a half years. I knew my time was up um, physically can't do what I want to do. And I was making the mental shift of, okay, you know, I'm, I, I've done my part, but it's, it's time to be done. I'm hitting my 20. So I came off of a team and I went to an admin job, ops job, uh, to where it allowed me some freedom. And like my command that I work for down there is extremely supportive of me doing this and, um, uh, me doing, uh, you know, focusing on my career goals also. So they, you know, they've allowed me to, I go in and work, but if I said I was working every day from zero six till, you know, 5 PM, uh, I would be lying, but I am cause I'm doing this. Right. Um, uh, so I guess in a way, you know, somebody can yell at me that I'm misusing <laughs> taxpayer dollars, but, um, at the end of the day, we're helping veterans. So I guess it's kind of not, um, but they, they sound like they're I, still being put to good use. You know, they are. And I, I think going back to something that I kind of hit on earlier is it, it is allowing me by going to that job, make a mental shift though. Of okay. I'm not a soldier anymore. I mean, I still am. I, I, I am sitting here with a beard, so I, I guess I can't really say that. But, um, uh, you know, I have to put a uniform on to clear and do all that. So I, I'm, I'm a soldier still, but in my mind, I am already made the mental shift of, okay, this is my next thing. Let's pre- prepare for the civilian life. Let's prepare for the private sector. And I really think that's probably a hard step. And maybe I'm not fully there yet. But by my command allowing me to do that job, it, it's allowed me to make that mental shift. And uh, I took two weeks of leave, went to a lake house, just spent it with my family, my wife, my two kids, my dog, and just relaxed and kind of unplugged. And that was like, okay, pff, the the time of being a special forces leader, NCO is over. Time of being an NCO and a soldier in the army is over. Now let's fully start thinking about the future almost full time. And I think that's a pretty big, important mental shift that people have to do. And I've talked with some people who are out and they haven't made that mental shift. And then it, then you're like, well, why is nobody understand veterans or why is nobody understand that? Hey, it, it, you know, the, 
we can whine about it or we can make a solution and try to help educate people of, you know, that the values that veterans bring and that some issues we have, not in a bad way, it's just reality of, hey, we've been doing X in the culture of the military for how many number of years and now we're going to go out and do something different. So now we need to kind of reprogram ourselves a little bit to speak the civilian language, speak whatever language and the culture of the industry we're going into and know what it's like to not have to go to PT in the morning or know what it's not like to, Oh, it's Saturday. I'm going to get a call in because, you know, my soldier needs some help with something of like, I can actually focus on me. And, you know, it's a little bit of a mental shift that uh, I, I think I've, I've, I'm ahead of, uh, based on of being able to like kind of have a a more cushioned job going out, if you will. Right. So you know, like you said, you're, you're starting to think about next steps. We know that banking is not the next step. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have? I mean, I know there's there's a ton of options out there. Do you have anything in particular in mind that you're thinking about once you do get out? Yeah, I do, and I kind of through that whole process of probably something I didn't say with all that networking in there is a whole lot of reflection. And uh, that may not sound cool, but there's a whole lot of thinking about what's important to me. And I had some people tell me that. And then I was like, okay. And I started thinking of what do I want to do? What's important to me? Cause let's be real. All I've known is the military for 20 years and the, it's pretty easy. Not that the job's easy, but Hey, I know there's a pretty, there's a task list that I follow. I'll get promoted. I work hard. I show up every day. I be a good leader. I'm going to get promoted. Or I'll get that next job. Or the army's just going to tell me it's, this is your next job. You don't even get a choice in it. Uh, right. And that's not the case out there. So I think reflection of what did I want to do? What I came down to is what have I liked most about the, my military career? So I've like, I've liked that I've had challenges that I've had, and it wasn't always the same thing every day. I like training people and teaching them. I like advising the partner forces and working through cultures and learning new problem sets every day. So to me, it was like, okay, that's what I want to do is find a job that does that. And then yes, like probably a lot of veterans, I have an entrepreneurial spirit of, okay, I've worked for uncle Sam and the whole. Oh, sorry. I lost you there for a second. Oh, sorry. So, uh, that's okay. If you could just back a couple of seconds. So working for Uncle Sam. Yeah, well, Uncle Sam, you know, you have a chain of command to follow and stuff. So maybe, uh, maybe I don't think it's just me from talking to people. A lot of people have that entrepreneurial spirit of, I want to be my own boss. Uh, right. So I said, okay, so I want to train people. I want something exciting. I want it challenging. I want it to be differing every day. I want to work with people across. So I, I determined consulting was probably that for me. Uh, so again, start reaching out to consultants. Hey, what do you do on a daily basis? What do you do? And then I learned, okay, eventually I want to start my own consulting firm. That's my end goal. 20 years from now, I'm running, leading this great consulting firm that's coming in and helping companies get better because that will give me what I want to do. And then I kind of backwards plan from there. What do I need to do to get there? Okay. I'm, I can come in right now and say, Hey, I'm a green Bray. I'm here to help you. Some people may be receptive to that and other people may be say, Hey, we don't have a war going on in here. We aren't jumping out of a plane. We're not (laughs) shooting a gun. No, thank you. So I was like, well, if I go get an MBA, then I have kind of the both angles. Hey, I got the great part that a veteran and a special forces veteran brings. And I got a, 
MBA education that is, you know, helps me learn some of the business stuff. And, um, you know, people understand that again, it's a certification. People know that just like looking at our uniform and they, they see certain badges and ranks. Oh, I know what that means. Okay, cool. You're our, you, you pass the mustard or whatnot. I, okay. I know what I'm getting out of you. And that's kind of why I thought of the MBA. So I said, Hey, I'm going to get an MBA. And then, you know, I start working for a consulting firm. And then once I understand it enough, I can then, you know, branch out and start my own. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, one of the people that we had on here recently, actually, uh, obviously veteran himself, uh, started a consulting company not so long ago. So once we wrap up, you know, on here, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, send you a quick introduction on LinkedIn, like you guys talk and hopefully he can help steer you in the right direction some more. Um, having that veteran background transition into having your own consulting company. No, definitely. And again, right. Example right there, the power of networking, uh, obviously 40 minutes in, we didn't plan that at 40 minutes and 17 seconds. Hey, let's bring up the connection. Um, it was, you know, that's the power you talk to somebody that, Oh wow, that came up. Oh, I know somebody interested in that perfect example of how it works. Yep, exactly. And you're right. Networking it, it, it can't hurt because the more people you know, the more the more things you learn about and the more people they know. And it doesn't matter if they're the you know CEO or in the C-suite of any company. They still know people. Yeah, and, it, and it's amazing to me how many people know people that you wouldn't think. They're like, oh, I, I know the CEO of that company. I'm like, I'm not even talking to somebody in that company or not even there. Somebody – Hey, I know somebody, like you just said, Hey, I know somebody that's doing that. Let's connect. And it's, it, but you don't do that if you don't connect, if you just sit in your little bubble and insulate yourself. Uh, so doing that networking with a positive attitude and making it a mission to like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Uh, I think that's where you, you find solutions. Yep. Absolutely. And, and you're right. That wasn't planned. At all. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I will, I will transition to uh, our last question, which is the only planned one that I ever have. Um, and that's basically, you know, could you break down and could you tell us how you define success? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a pretty big question. Uh, yep. <laughs> but I know, you know, I know everyone defines yeah, it differently no, and I know everyone has their own, their own, well, uh, yeah, their own definition for it. And so that's why it's always interesting to hear it from other people as to what their personal definition is. Yeah. And I think to a, it's not tangible. It's probably not anything tangible in my mind. And for me, success isn't, wow, I've made a million dollars. I've made, I'm making 105 K a year or whatever. I'm making 75 K a year or I'm to me. No, that's not it. And I I've used this mantra in my military careers. As long as I can wake up in the morning, I put the uniform on, I look in the mirror and I smile and I'm happy with me that's successful. So that, yeah, that, that's a good definition. And I think that, you know, that period of, and taking that time of reflection will certainly help with that because, you know, it may not be the same uniform you're going to be putting on, but you still got to enjoy what you're doing every day. No, exactly. And the big thing for me has always got me through my career is if every location, I could just make a positive impact that changes one person's life for the better. Um, you know, if I could just be that type of leader for them that helped them to become better, to do stuff in life. And I've got lots of examples and that's where I really, what has pushed me through my career. And that's how I look at it and get out. So if I can get out and I better people and I'm happy when I look in the mirror, that's successful. I don't know how much is going to be in the bank account. 
yeah, I'm sure I'm going to have, you know, foods on the table. I'll have a roof over the head, but can I do that? Can I have that quality of life with my family? Can I just be happy when I look in the mirror of like, yep, this is what it's supposed to be. And uh, I think that's very hard to define, but I think when you find it and you know it, kind of like I've said about my career, that you know it when you got it. Right. Well, you've shared a lot of great information and, uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck with your transition that you've got coming up here in the next couple of weeks, as well as, you know, getting into, into your new job as well <laughs> as with your nonprofit. No, I appreciate it. It's great talk. And I love uh, I love talking with people about this because I, I think that's a big thing. Maybe people are scared about talking about it. They don't want to or they don't know how to talk about it. So I'm always willing to talk with anybody about this and help them out. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we network, but the more we talk about it and even talk to another veteran and like, Hey, what are the issues you're going through in your transition? I think it helps. Keeps us in a great mental state, keeps us positive. We learn from it and that's how we'll get to whatever we define as success. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll be sharing a link so that uh, people can easily find you on LinkedIn and, you know, hopefully you can continue to help more and more people with their own, you know, find their own definition of success and transition out of the military. No, I agree. I agree, man. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, I appreciate you ha- being on here and uh, have a good rest of your day. You too. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service, and be sure to check out all of our other episodes at militarytransitionstories.com. I'm your host, Trey Tatro, and if you or someone you know are moving in the Northern Virginia area, I'd be happy to help you find your new home. If you live in another part of the country but need the assistance of a professional realtor, I'd be happy to connect you with someone from my extensive network of military relocation certified realtors. Thanks for listening.